Hey everyone and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work-from-anywhere era, ControlUp, happy users, happy IT, and also brought to you by Netrix Policy Pack, where you use Group Policy, Policy Pack Cloud, or MDM to remove local admin rights, manage lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And of course, also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. More than a week has passed since I first reported on the notice provided by LastPass about some of the data taken during their second security breach of 2022. If you didn't listen to episode 262, you may have missed this, but one of the components taken in the hack was the list of websites in users' vaults. The passwords were encrypted, but the websites passwords were saved for were not. Uh, Which I had stated is still bad as hackers can see what sites and services you use and then try to brute force your account on those sites so it is best to ensure you have unique passwords for all sites and services that you use. Well, the InfoSec community have come out strongly against the initial statement made by LastPass claiming they were downplaying things by stating passwords were safe. The Verge reported this week that security experts could combine user IP addresses with websites that users visited to create a movement profile for users. The Verge also reported that the suggestion that users' master passwords were safe as long as they followed recommendations on password length, complexity, and used a truly unique password are also being blasted with claims that this is making grounds to blame customers who may have their passwords decrypted. Something I was unaware of that was reported by The Verge is that another sticking point is the fact that LastPass has for years ignored pleas to encrypt data such as URLs. I didn't know that people were calling for them to encrypt the URLs. Experts were also quick to reassure people that password managers are still a good idea and this one bad example or implementation does not undo the usefulness of such products. Obviously a recurring theme throughout this has been well, hey, you know, you're better protected if you have unique passwords for every site and service you use. And the easiest and best way to achieve that is by using a password manager to generate these unique passwords and to store them. The LockBit ransomware gang continue to be up to their old tricks with the record media reporting that the gang's ransomware was used in an attack on the city of Mount Vernon in Ohio which reported its police department, municipal court, and other government offices were affected by a ransomware attack that started on December 19th. The path in for the attackers was through a remote access tool used by the IT team, and they do not mention what tool that is. City experts and their IT provider, Dynamic Networks, have spent the last week working to restore all of the systems affected using backups. Vulnerable software has been removed from all of their systems, according to a statement. 
The statement also claims that no documents with personal identifiable information were removed or accessed from city systems, but officials did not respond to questions about how that could be possible considering the ransomware gang gained access to both court and police systems. It's also said they are working with insurance providers so they can have an independent evaluator determine whether personal information was stolen. Also around the holidays, the Lockbit Ransomware Group issued a public apology to Sick Kids, which is a Canadian-based hospital and ranked number one for pediatric healthcare, according to VX Underground on Twitter, who also reports the hospital was ransomed on December 29th of last year, and Lockbit has issued the decryptor for free and has allegedly fired the affiliate who carried out the attack. Now. Based off experience in Ireland, the HSE also was provided a decryptor key, the HSE being Ireland's healthcare system. And unfortunately, even once you have the decryptor key, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time to restore those systems and uh, decrypt the ransomware. So it's just terrible that it happened. And Slack are the latest to suffer a security breach, stating in an advisory that, quote, On December 29, 2022, we were notified of suspicious activity on our GitHub account. Upon investigation, we discovered that a limited number of Slack employee tokens were stolen and misused to gain access to our externally hosted GitHub repository. Our investigation also revealed that the threat actor downloaded private code repositories on December 27th. No downloaded repositories contained customer data, means to access customer data, or Slack's primary code base, end quote. BleepyComputer.com reports Slack has since invalidated the stolen tokens and says it is investigating potential impact to customers. At this time, there is no indication that sensitive areas of Slack's environment, including production, were accessed. But out of caution, the company has rotated the relevant secrets. The Register has reported that AMD have acknowledged overheating issues with their Radeon RX 7900 XTX graphics cards. AMD have stated they are working to determine the root cause of unexpected throttling of GPU performance, which it believes is related to an issue with the thermal solution used in AMD's reference model for the RX 7900 XTX. Custom RX 7900 XTX cards made by add-in board partners like XFX and Gigabyte aren't impacted by this. They stated they believe the issue is only presented for a limited number of cards sold. This must be particularly sore for AMD as they slung mud at their rival Nvidia just a couple of months ago over the melting cable issue of their rival GeForce RTX 4090 graphics cards. I guess what goes around comes around. On Christmas Eve, The Verge reported a Microsoft employee accidentally let the cat out of the bag that Windows 11's Notepad app is going to be getting a tabs feature. The employee, who is a senior product manager at Microsoft, posted a photo of a version of Notepad with tabs and enthusiastically announced, Notepad in Windows 11 now has tabs with a loudspeaker emoji. The tweet was deleted within minutes, but not before Windows Central and several Windows enthusiasts spotted the mistake. The notepad screenshot included a Microsoft internal warning stating, quote, confidential, don't discuss features or take screenshots, end quote. Oh boy. 
That warning suggests the Tabs feature is still in early internal testing in Microsoft, but that Notepad feature may arrive to Windows Insiders at some point in early 2023, according to The Verge. Workers at Microsoft's ZeniMax Studios have voted to form the tech giant's first labor union in the United States, according to a report by the BBC. Microsoft agreed to recognize the group after a supermajority of workers at the video game production company signaled support for the plan. ZeniMax owns popular games including The Elder Scrolls and Fallout. The group will reportedly represent roughly 300 quality assurance workers at offices in Maryland and Texas. An organizer said they hoped a union which allows collective bargaining over issues such as pay and working conditions would allow them to improve job opportunities and reduce unfair pay practices and overwork during crunch periods. Voluntarily agreeing to bargain with unionized employees allows Microsoft to avoid a formal process overseen by the U.S. National Labor Relations Board, which can often be followed by legal battles. So definitely a win for unionization in this case. Microsoft shared their five endpoint management predictions for 2023. Some were pretty predictable, like strong cloud adoption will continue. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Uh, But others were pretty interesting to me, at least, including CTOs will need to pay more attention to local factors, such as different data compliance requirements in regions. And uh, number five was also pretty interesting, but I won't spoil it. Uh, I'll drive clicks towards this article and I'll share this article if you'd like to review all of the five predictions made and you'll find that at fivebytespodcast.com with episode 264. Well, I just mentioned claims of continued strength and cloud adoption and the Financial Times threw some cold water on that assertion with the report on Microsoft, Amazon and Google adjusting to slowing growth in one of the tech industry's hottest categories. So growth Yes, but strong growth? Maybe not. The Financial Times are a little bit funny about sharing their content, so I won't reference the text or numbers shared in that article, but I will share a link to that article with this episode if you're interested to read it for yourself. Now, I'm pretty sure sampling news is legal, (laughs) despite their disclaimers, but I'll err on the side of caution. I also saw Christian Riley shared this article and raised questions on future cloud adoption himself, as the cloud is no longer new and costs will likely always be higher than running on traditional on-premises. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting debate. Um, I would imagine the factors uh, slowing growth will also be slowing just all IT expansion possibly this year because a lot of the world is entering a recession and we've seen obviously the massive layoffs in the tech industry and that's likely going to ripple through to different industries and we may be heading for potentially a long-term recession. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully that's not the case. Ars Technica had another fascinating and fun article recently. This one on the power of the game SimCity and the fact that Microsoft went the extra mile to ensure compatibility of SimCity with Windows 95 back in the day. John Ross, who wrote the original version of SimCity for Windows 3.x, shared that he accidentally left a bug in SimCity where he read memory that he had just freed. It worked fine on Windows 3.x because the memory never went anywhere. But on beta versions of Windows 95, SimCity wasn't working in testing. Microsoft tracked down the bug 
and add its specific code to Windows 95 that looks for SimCity. And if it finds SimCity running, it runs the memory allocator in a special mode that doesn't free memory right away. Oddly, the article went on to discuss the Windows ADK and specifically shims. The report and some tweets suggest that this was not known about widely by some. Uh, if you didn't know about it, you can create shims to remedy application compatibility issues. And one the article points to is a Windows 95 version lie, which would fake the OS version to an application to allow it to run on a newer operating system. But Compatibility Administrator, the tool, has a bunch of pre-canned fixes that I always thought were pretty useless, frankly, at least from an enterprise perspective, because most of the pre-canned ones are for games and other consumer off-the-shelf software not popular in enterprise. But as this article points out, it is an example of the lengths that Microsoft went to in the past to ensure games and other popular retail software ran on new versions of Windows. Luckily, I think they're not taking that approach anymore. Although I don't work for Microsoft, I can't be sure, but it seems like they're just taking a broader approach to ensuring wider compatibility rather than applying these case-by-case um, -case fixes into the operating system. And now some quick hit stories to wrap up the news for this week. Salesforce have announced a restructuring plan which could see them lay off 10% of their workforce which means around 7,000 jobs could go. They also plan for select real estate exits and office space reductions within certain markets. So just like the earlier story there about the cloud adoption slowing down, again, these tech industry layoffs seem to be occurring uh, even more now. It's not slowing down. And it's also an interesting line about the real estate exits because I would think, you know, business or commercial property uh, your leases tend to be like seven ten years or possibly even more uh, so with a drive towards remote work there's going to be a lot of companies who don't have a need to renew these leases so presumably there's going to be uh, more of that exit from uh, actual real estate and uh, physical offices TechZine.eu reports that Microsoft is getting ready to launch a version of its Bing search engine that will leverage the AI behind ChatGPT. This is in order to better compete with Google. And Microsoft have already started working with Dolly for Bing's image creation capabilities. I mean, I would uh, give a word of caution. If you're using ChatGPT, I saw someone on LinkedIn post during the week that, oh, it's great for doing like market analysis or competitive analysis. I would actually disagree. Um, I've found the results, um, in particularly for specialized type of technology, to be pretty poor. And it's not surprising because if it's pulling from like a cache of data and it's a specialized topic, there's not that many people blogging about it. There may only be uh, the single vendor source. So the content or what it returns is not so good. But uh, cool uh, potential, I'm sure it's going to get better and, and possibly by integrating it with Bing and having Microsoft work alongside, it could get better quicker. A new version of NeverRed has been launched, which is version 2.10.01. And it's added several new products into the mix, including ControlUp RemoteDX, ControlUp EdgeDX, uh, IIS Crypto, 
Screenpresso, added the MUI or MUI for Adobe Acrobat Reader DC, added an option to suppress the never read icon, added reporting mode, also added BISF additional tools, and also Citrix Optimizer, Delprof 2, and SD Delete. Southwest Airlines recently had a well-publicized operational problems that saw thousands of their flights canceled, which caused major headaches for people trying to travel around the holidays. But the New York Times had an op-ed piece this week by Zainab Tufeki, I'm sorry if I butchered the name, uh, who goes through some of the underlying issues that led to the operational problems, which includes pretty severe technical debt, going through how for years, People could see within the company that their technical debt and just how old their systems and antiquated they were was going to be a problem. And it seems like that all came to a head late last year, just as the holidays were hitting, um, running on systems and software well past their best before date. In the article, she does a really great job of describing technical debt and framing that within the Southwest Airlines problem. So if you ever want to explain technical debt to somebody, this is a really great article to share with them. Finally, congratulations to Brett Miller, who won the Five Bytes podcast holiday tech giveaway that was running through the month of December in association with the festive tech calendar. Brett won an Elgato Stream Deck and is already putting it to some good use. So congratulations again, Brett, and hopefully I'll run a giveaway uh, leading into the holidays next year as well. So, you know, keep listening to the podcast for more chances to win. And now this episode, Scripts, Tricks, and Tips. During the debrief of the LastPass breach, LastPass made claims about how long it would take for attackers to get your password when using a complex, long, and unique password. Well, a chart has been going around to show how long it would take to compute your password based on varying degrees of complexity. Now, a representative for 1Password poo-pooed the claims of how long it would take to unlock such a password, claiming if a human had said it themselves, it wouldn't be complex enough. But the chart going around and shared by David Fowle on Twitter is still really interesting and maybe further promotes the idea of using a password manager to generate unique, complex passwords for all sites. Ian Popovicki shared a PowerShell script for setting primary and secondary DNS settings in Windows. So that's something I have to do all the time as part of my automated build, so cool to have another PowerShell script for that. I saw that Pavel published a blog on installing and updating drivers with Intune. So obviously topical with more and more organizations moving from Configuration Manager and putting more into Intune. Gobizweb.ch published a lengthy blog post on application whitelisting with Microsoft Intune and AppLocker, which, yeah, AppLocker doesn't really get enough love. It's been around for a long time, and it seems like not every organization even knows it exists. And finally, just to plug some of my own work, during the holidays, I posted multiple blogs, including a post on the Microsoft Store apps within Intunes. I also blogged about my personal experience uh, with the four-day work week and more. Well, that's it for this episode. I already said Happy New Year in the last episode, but it still seems pretty recent. So Happy New Year again to anyone who didn't catch last week's episode. And thank you so much for listening.